everybody, welcome to another episode of Bald Move TV. Uh, this time we're going to do a little bit of a follow-up to a podcast you probably heard already, the Expanse coverage we did a few weeks ago with Levi. Unfortunately, Levi was unable to attend this recording, so uh, I don't I don't know what his thoughts are on it, but we're going to share ours. Uh, Aaron, what do you think of the second half of this season? Uh, I liked I liked it a lot, and I have a hard time separating my feelings from it as a piece of genre uh, filmmaking. You know, like I just my first love has always been science fiction, mm-hmm. um, even even more than so than fantasy, which is probably my second love. Uh, so I have a hard time saying whether this is like must see television or this is like, hey, if you've got a Star Trek shaped hole in your life you should definitely check out i mean that obviously if you're a star trek fan and you haven't checked that expanse i don't know what the hell's wrong with you because yeah it's really amazing if you're a Battlestar fan and you haven't checked that expanse i don't know what's wrong with you um because it's got great special effects mm-hmm. it's got a really interesting plot and I, I think we said this in the first one um you know how similar it is to the game of thrones is that what draws you in is kind of the the, the tense political climate and the machinations and then yeah you know. a lot of what i loved about like deep space nine right 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 and then then hopefully you stay when things get weird at the proto molecule um <laughs> but i don't i mean so what is your feelings on this is this is this great genre television and just decent to good fair or is it like great television and just um, uh, outstanding genre work. I think a lot of aspects of it are just plain good TV. Mm-hmm. Um, like you mentioned the politics of it. Uh, I think that stuff is handled really well. Um, the universe they've built is actually very feel, feels very real, feels yes. very natural. Um, so those are the, the areas in which I would, you know, put a big check mark and say, this is great stuff just generally. Um, I think it it succeeds in the genre category more probably because mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that these are like the best characters I've ever seen with which may maybe a couple of small exceptions um but a lot of the characters are just so-so hmm. uh and and I don't feel like it's always the absolute best writing when it comes to the characters necessarily like it, it's still really good like um it's better than a lot of just general drama out there. Well, that's interesting because, like, so I kind of want to disagree and I think the characters and the actors are, for the most part, good to great, with the notable exception of Holden, who I think yeah, I don't is like just him. really, like, like, I called him Space Jon Snow in the first podcast. But he just, um, I don't think he has quite the chops to do all the things. Like, he needs to be... I don't know what I, I don't know what he's missing. I just know that when he's called upon to deliver a speech to inspire or intimidate, I feel like I'm watching a kid at a piano recital. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a bad note, but I want you to do good, guy. You know, uh, I don't want to see you fail, but oh, yeah, okay, that was okay. Like, whereas anybody, anybody else, like if Thomas Jane were cast in the uh the 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 holden character um Mm -hmm. i think that wouldn't be a problem um but honestly i think alex is a pretty weak character as well or he's rounding out into something that i like a little bit more but early on um even up to like the midpoint of this season i was just not on board with alex he's kind of okay so why because he's kind of a weird guy and Mm -hmm. he's still a lot uh, correct me if i'm wrong he's still pretty mysterious as far as his backstory like we don't Mm -hmm. know what the deal with this family and why 
that is still important to him, but they're not around, yeah. right? That's never been revealed yet. I don't think so, no. But I think they're heading him towards like a Charles Barkley type, or not Charles Barkley. <laughs> Charles Barkley, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Charles Who's Barkley, the round mound of rebound uh-huh. on the Rossinati. <laughs> uh, like a, a, a Lieutenant Barkley. Lieutenant where he's identifying Barkley. more with the ship than he is with his fellow crew members. Okay. Like he's, ta- and he's talking to the ship, and people are portraying that as weird. The ship has some kind of artificial intelligence, um, but he can hold, you know, like, like I, I feel like they're going in that direction with him, and I think that's, yeah. that's interesting. It is, but I, I think that's a recent development, and, it, you know, I, Alex for a very long time was just not interesting to me. I still, my favorite character by far is Amos. Um, they still continue okay. to try to hammer him into some kind of psychopath role and then have characters tell me that he's a psychopath. But I'm not seeing it, man. I see a guy who uh, is is super loyal and does what needs to be done when – like he's an antihero. He's, a, he's, like, he's like the Punisher, only more good than that. Like if you got a black market dealer who trades uh, information on, on little ch- kids for processed chicken and he needs the teeth pistol whipped out of his mouth – uh, to get him to cooperate, Amos is there to help you out. Yeah, uh, and I, I don't, I don't understand why the show seems so ambivalent about him. Maybe in the books that these are based off, he's, uh, it, he's portrayed as a lot more menacing and crazy than he is. But I, I, I love the guy. Uh, I think he is a, he has the potential to be very unstable as we're starting to see as he's trying to make more of his own decisions um he almost kills alex uh for no real reason mm-hmm. honestly and and he makes that decision himself and i'm i'm thinking okay maybe as an instrument amos is wait when did he almost kill alex or help, help refresh my memory i mean didn't he i remember the scene of him just you know going after alex and having him like dangling over the stairs and everybody had to like talk him down huh um i remember him and alex getting sideways at each other because he um oh no also yeah um the the guy that they have to beat up the tech guy who has all mm-hmm. the information mm-hmm. on the station mm-hmm. um amos just takes the initiative there and mm-hmm. nearly beats that man to death do you think he wouldn't have beat him to death though I mean, I, was, I think that's the point that he knew what he was doing and he was in control. And even even Har- even Holden knew, mm-hmm. which is why he didn't jump in like he usually does. Like, oh, my God, Amos, you're going crazy. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like, there is one – but, like, even – like, him and Alex got in a scuffle because Alex got into some trouble in the bar. And Amos came and, like, fucking lowered the boom on the guy that was giving him problems. And mm-hmm. then Alex was like – uh, hey man, you don't have to look after me. I can look after myself. And I'm like, no, honestly, you could have gotten gutted in this bar. Amos saved your ass. Like, uh-huh. no one is saying that you're a fucking baby. Like, you're the badass that drives a ship and blows ships out of the sky. Amos is the guy that's got the fucking muscles and fists. So, right. like, Amos doesn't jerk you out of your seat in the middle of a space battle and be like, let me man the PDCs. Like, <laughs> so don't get all shitty when he jumps in and got your back in a bar brawl. I, 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 like I said, I keep on feeling like they want me to think that. He, at, now, there are. Like they they really scared me when that he and the the, um, the 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 surviving scientist that was studying the proto molecule yeah. started to hit it off and started like that guy was like making sense to him I'm like oh god they're gonna 
they're gonna they're, he's gonna hijack him and him and him and the crazy guys gonna go off and study the proto molecule. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also scared me when he had that like flashback to I guess his youth when things were going really bad on one of the the the, the Belter outposts and they were trying to the crew of the Rossinati was doing humanitarian work and they were trying to hand out supplies and clothing and food. And like things got a little grabby in line, and and he like shoved a, a woman uh, down, and yeah. kind of like went into a red zone. But because I th- I think he was like triggered by some flashback of how he was raised or how he grew up, and yeah. Um, but other than those two instances, which I felt were kind of understandable given given his um, you know, his his role in character development, I'm just not seeing him being a crazy guy. I just think he's on the edge. Uh. I don't know that the decisions he makes are not rational a lot of the time, but I think there's a lot of potential for him to be very dangerous. Right. Um, and not in the good kind of way. Yo, know, and I, I, I'm kind of dreading, because I feel like eventually they're building this up to where there's going to be a scene where he does something really stupid and and really uh, either cruel or wrongheaded that gets, a, that gets a lot of people killed or in trouble, and I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. Yeah, I... I don't know because when like you take Thomas Jane's character right and uh he shoots the scientist in the head without asking anyone just takes it upon himself that's something that needed to be done that I could see Amos doing but mm-hmm. also something that probably shouldn't have been done Yeah I mean like I said I so my, if he my does first something like that. that but I I think that the show did a good explanation of like yeah, yeah. why he did it and I kind of agree that like Totally but I I'm, I'm saying like if Amos were to do were in that situation he probably would have done the same thing Uh-huh and you know it's not something you necessarily disagree with but it's something that's probably stupid Right Yeah uh, in in the final analysis it would probably have been better to have that data on the protomolecule but it's like yeah. if you're an allied soldier and you roll into concentration camp and dr mingala is there right uh and he's got reams of scientific data do you just like fucking shoot him in the face or do you hold him for trial or do you because like, i think yeah. what what um joe was worried about was this guy hanging around and seducing the leaders with the talk of the protomolecule yeah for sure and like you know, he had just lived through this horrific situation. and But it's funny because, you know, despite him killing that guy, it looks like Chad Coleman, Fred, has got the proto-molecule at this point. Well, so, it's it's kind of it's kind of like the nuclear prolifer- proliferation. Like it's yeah, probably yeah. best if it was never invented, and if it's not, if that's not the case, then maybe it's better to just have one or two. Super like like two, two superpowers having it, but eventually gets to a point where like maybe everyone should have it, right? Um, and you know, like the nuke game, it's not a question of like anyone sitting around and saying, "Is this a good idea?" Now, all three sides—the Belters, the Earthers, the Martians—they uh, all have the proto molecule, and even and and then there's a fourth party, which is the proto molecule itself, right? Um, so I, I would compare this situation to like, let's say. Um, you're trying to stop the atomic bomb from being proliferated. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're Thomas Jane and you shoot Oppenheimer in the head. Right. Well, turns out the nukes are already out there and right. everybody has a hold of them. You're, now they just don't understand your best them. Shot, yeah. No, and I, and so, right. so the decision turned out to be a very, very bad one, but you couldn't have really known that in the moment. Yeah. And that's the other problem I had with the season. I'm not even sure it's a problem so much as yeah. it's like, um, 
the situation where essentially the story is about the crew of the Rossinati. Um, that's like the a number one thing it's about, and everyone in that crew. Uh, had a different idea of what to do with the proto-molecule and all different understanding of when the situation got away from them. Like, uh-huh. there's a big conflict between uh, Holden and Naomi yeah. um, where she had decided that the proto-molecule had spread to the point where it's no longer able to be contained and we should shift into, you know, trying to help as many people as we can. And they regretted maybe not helping as many people as they could have in the blind pursuit of eradicating a proto-molecule before. Mm-hmm. Um but she makes that decision without no one being one hundred percent straight about the state of the board with Holden, like the fact that she hid a piece of the proto molecule out in an asteroid field, um, and had at that point, I think, given it to Fred Johnson. I don't I, think she had at that point, or well, at I guess some because point you're right, it along, flashes back slash forward. Right. You see him recovering it. Um, yeah, but she made that unilaterally, and like, but yet she's furious with Holden and condemning him for for continuing to want to contain the proto molecule. It's like. Well, like, okay, if five minutes ago you changed your mind, how can you turn around and say that you this guy is wrong-headed and stupid for continuing to do the thing that you all thought was smart until five minutes ago? However... Is that what she was saying? No, I'm just saying that, like, she, she, when she decided... Chose a different direction. Right, but she didn't tell Holden exactly why, and they didn't really... Right. She, she's just essentially like, well, I'm not going to be part of this crew anymore because I don't agree with this. And that's, yeah, that's, she she let him run off on a damn fool crusade, right? Like, right. She knew that what he was doing was going to be ineffective because she had already given the proto molecule to Fred. Right. right. So shame on her for not telling Holden that at that time. Yeah, and like, what would happen if like Holden and Rossinati and Alex and all those guys had, and and Prax had had all died? Like, how would she have yeah. felt there? And yeah. Um, and also, what right does she have to run off with Amos? Because <laughs> um, Amos is cool. He should be out kicking ass instead of <laughs> do, rescuing make people. Make decisions. Um, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, But yeah. I don't know that that's bad. That's just conflict that's coming right. out on, on, on the show. Where, I mean, because that's... So that's poor other, decisions, but still good drama. Right. And that's the other reason I'm not sure how I feel about this Holden guy, this Stephen Strait that plays him, is that... He's portraying like almost a pirate captain, mm-hmm. you know. Like he, the only real authority he has is the faith. Or are, you, you made a when we were talking about this earlier in the week, you made a reference to like Mal Reynolds from Firefly. Yeah, he doesn't have a commission. He's not a military man who has any kind of power invested in him anymore. He, the only reason his crew follows him is because they respect him and they think he's the best man for the job. Yeah. Um, and with Holden. He's just weak enough that I'm not sure why anybody, anybody follows him. Like, unless they're like, like, there's a couple times where Alex grits his teeth and is like, yes, captain, or what? I'm like, why? Why? You're the one driving the damn ship. If you think that this is yeah. crazy, then get out of there. And like, what's 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 Holden going to do? Pull a gun on you? He's not going to shoot you. Yeah, this this is the problem. I, I think they need a more charismatic actor to pull that off, that mm-hmm. character off. Because you need to feel like the crew has loyalty to him, not that the crew is afraid of him, not that he's right. pulling rank. You need to believe that the crew would want to follow him, or, and I don't with this guy. And the other thing is, like, they've tried to articulate the fact that, like, especially with Amos, the fact that Holden is righteous mm-hmm. is what gives him his power to command and lead because Amos trusts him to, if not do the right thing, then not do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't, I mean, to me, what Holden needs is a big win, like an unambiguous where he puts all of his chips in and maybe the crew doesn't know and, and, and he turns out to be right. And then that would kind of settle the authority issue. But right now it just feels very, uh, you know, he's first among equals, which I don't know if that's going to, you know, and, and in fact, every, it seems like every time when the chips are down, people just don't listen to him. Naomi <laughs> right. takes off with half his crew. Yeah. You know, uh, back when Joe was still alive and recognizably human, uh, maybe that's a better way to say it. Like he all the time, he never listened to him. Um, I don't know. That feels like a problem going forward. Yeah. Uh, what did you think that when they introduced us to the Martians, um, primarily through the eyes of Bobby Draper, mm-hmm. which I think is funny, right? Uh, <laughs> Good name. Yeah. Um, turns out Don Draper's kid lived to be 200 years old and gender swapped. Yep. Uh, as a Martian, did what? How? how what did you? Because I, I was I was looking through the Expanse subreddit and some of the the fan forums, and it seemed like the fan opinion was they didn't they didn't like. Uh, this Bobby Draper portrayal. I thought she was amazing. I thought she was good. I, I'm not a huge fan of that character. Really? Yeah. Is it the is it the performance or just the character? What what is what do you not like about the character? I think it's the performance. I'm because something's me, not connecting for me. To, to me, she's uh, mobile infantry out of Starship Troopers, and right. Earthers are the bugs. Yeah. And she's 18, 19 years old, and she's been trained all her life that. The blue marble is a threat, and they're soft. They're neat. it's 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 uh, you know communism uh, versus the West philosopher. Like they live a life of hardship, and it's framed not as like that's their choice, but that you know that's it's something that the, the, that the Earthers are inflicting upon them. And mm-hmm. I I don't know. I thought it was really good, and I also enjoyed when she finally went to Earth to you know participate in this. Not not trial, not not peace accords. As inquiry, I guess it is a peace accords. Yeah. I really liked her reaction to Earth, and and I guess finding that her own people had kind of sold her out and done things that she thinks are are not not very Martian. Yeah. Um. And I I don't know. Like uh, the the big, biggest problem I have is uh, I don't know that she could have done the escape that she did because I just feel like <laughs> With a butter knife and a. A badge, yeah, a butter you know, knife, and an award. Not just yeah. that, but she's she grew up in one third Earth gravity, and oh, I understand right. that she's a Martian soldier, and they train in one G. But like, who gives a shit? And she's got osteo X on yeah. her side. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess they want me to believe that that just makes everything better. This, and then, and that's the other thing Cecily and I were talking about is the stakes feel very low because as long as you don't actually die in a battle situation. It seems like any uh, injury or any disease or any poison or any amount of physical yeah. trauma that you can under can be undone in like five minutes. Right. Uh, it's like Star Trek. Well, even even more so because Star Trek is 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 uh, episodic television. So like you know you never know like if if Riker gets you know like if if Worf gets a spine ripped out and has to rego or grow a spine in one episode. Maybe he needs three months of physical therapy, but it doesn't matter because the next episode he's fine and you don't right. know how much time has passed. Whereas this, it's like they literally slap these patches on you or whatever and you're – or they they put you in a cast and it tightens up and like you're combat ready. You're ready to go. Yeah, pretty much. Which is kind of – I mean is is that an innovation like the Star Trek teleporter where it just takes boring shit and waves it away or is it more of a cheat? Because it just does feel like there's no stakes. Like if a guy's bleeding out, like what is that? As long as 
he gets to a medical facility before the end of the episode, he's not going to be in any, any danger. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, that's probably just part of the fabric of this world. I mean, you know, if you're going to tell a story in the future, you have to extrapolate all aspects of it. And health technology, medical technology would certainly be part of that. Right. right? And I mean, regardless of the consequences to the story, right? It, it, right. Maybe it doesn't re- necessarily remove just the boring stuff, but it has to be considered. Um, and that's part of what makes the show feel so authentic. The second half of this season, why we're talking about Bobby and her experiences on Earth, um, you know, we've always heard, especially the Martians, talk about how soft Earth is, and they've repeatedly talked about how there's a guaranteed base, some sort of form of guaranteed basic income where right. no one is like starving in the streets, and uh, or there's also like the effects of global warming, like the ice caps have melted, and now like you know New York City is surrounded by these giant steel walls, and Statue of Liberty, Ellis Island has disappeared, so the Statue of Liberty is on this little podium and whatnot. Uh-huh. Um, but so then when the, when Bobby goes out to ex, you know she escapes from the Martian embassy and wants to see the ocean she goes through like the underside of New York City and it's just like this teeming giant homeless land. Yeah. Uh and I thought that was an interesting way to portray that because it wasn't a utopia so much and it's not a dystopia. Yeah. It's just a topia. <laughs> right. These people aren't starving. It's not exactly squalid, but it's like I don't think these people are living their best lives mm-hmm. or have any kind of choice in the life they live, nor does it seem like there's any way you can lift yourself out of that kind of squalor. Like mm-hmm. there's just, you know, there's no jobs. Yeah. So, you know, you get what you get and you get your belly full and that's it. So that was kind of um, – I, I get, you know, because as a person who's been a proponent of, like, you know, we have to do some kind of socialized thing. We have to have some kind of safety net to address the very real future that's coming of automation that's going to destroy so many jobs. Like, I, I don't know how I felt about that. And I'm not sure if it's because I thought it was unrealistic or it just didn't align with my politics. What right. do you think? Yeah, I'd like to ask, you know, either the author of the books or the creators of the show, um, kind of what they were thinking when they envisioned Earth, you yeah. know? When when you describe this planet several hundred years in the future or whatever, what things did you consider about society to to inform the decision that we see on screen? You know, yeah. Um, like, what's their take on it? Because other- I, I mean, Mar- Mars wants to make a new Earth. I don't know. Earth didn't look that great. It didn't look that bad either. And, and- I mean, it looks better than Mars, certainly, right. but. Because Mars is a is a the frozen desert, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, when you go in the Earth, like you can breathe the atmosphere. <laughs> right. There's oceans, and there's birds, and there's plants, and but maybe change some things. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was cool, and it reminded me a lot of um, there's a there's a story about uh, a defector from the Soviet Union in like the 80s, and how his CIA handlers were driving him through. Um, you know, like Washington D.C. to debrief him, and he thought that mm-hmm. this was like all some kind of like like parading a journalist through Pyongyang. Like, how in the fuck can someone afford this big of a house? On and and my God, there's this much food in supermarket. You've got to be shitting me, right? This has got to be some kind of propaganda thing. And there's a there's shades of that where like you can see like Bobby going past like fruit trees and open air markets and just like being amazed at like yeah how how easy everything is on Earth, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I found interesting about their future world is it seems like they vastly underestimate. I don't know when these books have, have, have been written. It's one of my goals to kind of like read up through the second book in the off season. But they seem to very vastly underestimate artificial intelligence growth. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, like it's essentially the techno the, the the computer technology aboard the Rossinati seems like it's 2017 era. Yeah, like it's got voice recognition and maybe light, slightly better heuristic techniques for like parsing human speech to. But like, there's no, there is no artificial intelligence. Like the Rossinati does not essentially drive itself. Right. Like there's a fucking human being piloting this massive spaceship around and, sh- and manually targeting and shooting things. Yeah. That ridiculous. seems kind. Yeah. It does seem ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's, I guess the biggest question I have, the biggest problem I have with this show is that Mars in the ensuing time could ever compete with earth on any kind of scale. Yeah. Because like, let's say, okay, Mars focuses all of its efforts on just building the biggest, baddest ships in the fleet, right? Um, in the in the, the system, I just don't think they could compete with Earth because Earth has such natural advantages. Yeah, uh, and and that's the tip of the iceberg. Like they have all of the resources coming from the belt. They have mm. uh, the built-in technology, the the built-in institutional knowledge to get these things done. I just don't see any way that Mars catches up in the time frame they're talking about. They tried With the to, limited population, I mean, yeah, I just don't see it. They tried to show that in like the Epstein Drive episode, where they flash back to the inventor of the Epstein Drive, who was a Martian, uh-huh. and how that was such a game changer in that technology. You know, the fact that the Martians had a some kind of monopoly on it for some time that that single handedly catapulted them. It'd be like if you know America invented the steam engine or something like that. The car, and then, right? or yeah, the car, <laughs> no one else, no other nation had it. And like how, you know, how, how much more advanced would we be? Or, you know, or like the plane, for, right, for example, <laughs> United States kind of parlayed our comparatively light civilian losses and, uh, yeah. uh, economic losses in the two world wars into essentially a giant worldwide hegemony. Yeah. Um, so like I can see how Mars could maybe take this, like, like how would earth out compete if you got the Epstein drive, which they don't really explain it, but it's a way that ships can essentially accelerate at one G for almost an infinite amount of time without consideration for fuel and all that. It's what's made like in, intrastellar flight possible. So if they, you know, essentially started all the, 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 the colony, I don't, I don't know the Earth had a stranglehold on the, the, the asteroid belt and, like, the outer planets and the moons of Jupiter until rel- – it might be the Earth was the one playing catch-up. I don't know. They don't, Maybe so. But you're but right. Earth would catch up pretty damn fast. But, and, and I think that's, like, right now they say that Mars has this, like, huge superiority, but they never really show it. It doesn't seem like, like everyone has about the same amount of nukes. And the Mars have stealth technology, but that hasn't really been a factor since early second season. Right. Like, that should be a decisive advantage. Like, you could have a whole fleet of Martian stealth ships that just appear in Earth orbit with nukes, and they just nuke Earth without any, you know, preemptive first strike. Um, I guess if you're resource scarce, you just don't have the abilities, um, the resources required to build a fleet of stealth ships, maybe. But you'd think that would apply to Mars more than Earth. Yeah, for sure. But the other thing is, like, I'm always hungry for these details. Like, for example, right. how did Earth get into the economic situation? Did they try to split the middle between – like, like it would be interesting if I found out that, like, in, like, 2050, Congress banned artificial intelligence as a way to stave off automation mm-hmm. and also did some kind of half-assed guaranteed basic income. So you essentially got the worst of all the worlds. You got the worst of, like, you know – 
everyone's stereotypical reaction to some kind of planned economy and and socialism and also you were not unable to take advantage of all of the benefits of automated labor so it's like if you're in the wealthy if if you're wealthy or middle class you're doing great and else you're just you know milling about the undercity of new york but i don't know that i would love to know like how the hell did they got in a situation yeah guess there's only so much they can show us yeah and i i wonder because the epstein drive episode even though i found that kind of like for one thing the portrayer of the epstein drive seemed like a fucking doofus uh-huh i'm like like kind of similar into star trek first contact where like zephyr cochran. cochran just i don't buy it that he invented the warp drive no i don't buy <laughs> that he invented a better way to distill vodka like he just seems like a fucking idiot this guy is just super dumb. He flips on this engine. He doesn't know what he's going to do, and he has no plan for shut it off. And as far as I know, he doesn't shut it. I off. think he How dies. do they recover that ship? How well, do they get that technology? He, he there was some. He just has a voiceover where he said, "I left my plan, the like plans and and the schematics with my wife, so she'll be able to benefit from." But but he. He's a missing person as far as they know. Right. She wouldn't know that those plans are worth anything. Right. I guess you would probably be able to track a ship going that fast before it, I assume it it couldn't – maybe it could accelerate almost indefinitely and it would just be like the fastest net, fastest man moving, man-made thing motoring. In the, I, 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 but that's – you're right. They, that felt like a loose thread to me. That episode <laughs> was exciting because – I like the idea of them flashing back to explain, like, because they, yeah. they, just, they just dump you in this world. You don't understand anything. Right. But the Epstein Drive episode was a way for them to kind of like, okay, here's a small sliver of what you don't understand. We're going to explain it to you. And I'd like, it would be awesome if every season had something like that where they explain, like, you know, why did, obviously, the first exploration of Mars was an Earth endeavor. Mm-hmm. So everyone felt really great about, like, oh, yeah, let's go explore Mars. Eventually, relations between Earth and Mars got bad. Why? Yeah. Why? Like, when, how many generations of Martians did it take before they stopped considering themselves Earthers? Was it literally the first natural born Martians were like, you know, I mean, fuck the Earth? And... Yeah, if it's anything like Red Mars, uh, that happened nearly immediately. Yeah, true. Um, You're speaking of the pe- Red, Blue, Green Mars trilogy. Right, yeah. Um, and p- people felt like Earth was essentially profiting off their backs um, and making decisions that benefit Earth and not Mars. And, you know, I could see that happening very quickly. Probably not wrong. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm doing nothing but talking about the problems because I guess that's what's interesting to me. Uh, what they so introduced- I, I like a lot of stuff about that they do with characters Okay. Um, in the show. Like, the characters never seem to change their minds about stuff unless there's a reason to. So they don't like they'll they'll get rattled or they'll get caught off guard by something mm-hmm. and it'll force a change um and, and it it's usually just their just in their nature um the yeah. kind of way they react to situations. It never yeah. feels artificial. Right. Um and I like how messy this story is. Um you know, they they take this ship, right, the somnambulist mm. or whatever it's called, uh, from this woman and her husband, and along the way her husband gets killed. And it's right. they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying not to disrupt their day too much. Right. Uh, but it just gets messy. Yeah. And that feels like a real world. Right. And they've been consistent with that. I like it. Um, 
but I, I want to ask you what you thought about the new character they introduced towards the end of the or towards the middle of the season two, Prax, who is the guy who worked at the, in the farms of Ganymede, and uh, he was one of the survivors uh, yeah. of the proto molecule slash Martian Earth, Earth attack. Yeah, I like him a uh, lot. You do because uh-huh. I I don't I can't. He's just such a a nothing character. The only like I really liked him immediately because this first story where he you know he need kind of bonded with this other Ganymede scientist and they were you know she was going to take him back to I think Earth and then they fucking space everyone's not a belter. Yeah, knew that was coming. I uh, I knew something bad was coming here. Yeah, I thought they were going to be like shipped off, just left floating or something. But right, I, th- no, I thought what was going to happen was like and something's going to be attacked and they're going to be like something's mm-hmm. going to go wrong with the the. I didn't think that the belters would just load all the inner world people into a, yeah. a thing and space them like that was fucking brutal. It was, uh, but after that, like I never really bought him as an anguished father. I feel like that he doesn't really give me a lot in his performance to make me care about him. Um, he's just the guy who always seems like he's got bad ideas with regards to the proto molecule. For sure, but I mean, he's getting up to speed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, because because I understand it, like from his perspective and what it seems like with this Ganymede installation, they were just infecting children with the proto molecule mm. for shits and grins. Like yeah. maybe there was an altruistic thing that like these are that it seems like there were kids that were maybe sick, and they were maybe in some kind of terminal thing that like see if the proto molecule can cure them. Right. But it's it also seems like the proto molecule. I, I so uh, uh, do you have a good feel yet about what the proto molecule does because it infects Julie Mao. Yeah. Uh, and she just turns into like um. You know, a, a blue glowy version of Julie. She still has her humanity more or less intact. Right. Uh, it infects a child and it turns him into this like space monster. Yeah, it's pretty mysterious to me still. Do um, you think there's different strains of proto molecule that they fucked with? Yeah. Or, or maybe like the proto molecule mm, has somehow like evolved. Yeah. Um, like it started as just kind of this thing that feeds on radiation and kills whatever it touches, essentially. Right. Uh, but now it's evolved to the form where it's a being. Uh, and, and maybe it's designed to evolve very quickly. Yeah. Um, and and adapt, they hinted but... that it's a extrasolar. Yeah. Like, like this is something that a, a civilization that we don't understand is sent to our solar system. Uh, the knee jerk reaction is to either colonize it or to like, you know, as a weapon to essentially sterilize the solar system. So when they eventually get here, it'll be ready to go for them. I don't know that I buy that because the proto molecule doesn't also seem like it's necessarily malignant. Yeah. You know, it's like it's not it gotcha. doesn't destroy things just for the shit of it. It wants to survive and wants to live, but it doesn't go out of its way to um, but then I yeah I liked how Prax described it you yeah. know it's uh, whatever phrase he used um, kind of describes that it. it's just looking for food yeah um, yeah but it's also I, I think that's a mistake because that that I think yeah. it's also intelligent it's got some sort of for intelligence sure. as well yeah I, I wonder so I wonder why it takes on the form of be of human beings or you know bipeds I I'm not sure if that's its usual nature right um it's natural state or if that's just an affectation of the human forms that it right. devours that it yeah uh I, I really don't know you know you know it could be there 
Like, can you imagine if, as humans, we could send our DNA out to other systems and whatever life forms are there, it would kind of create new humans out of? Yeah, it's like the space engineers. It's a great way to travel, right? It's like the space engineers from Prometheus. Yeah. Like, you don't have to travel the galaxy, you just have to seed it with your genetic core core and let evolution take place. Right. Um, And then sometime, you know, thousands of years from now, we can reconnect with. The places that we've seated, right, or go to war with it, or have <laughs> sure, them burst yeah. out of our chests. I mean, that's that's, that's, that's interesting. They wouldn't have the knowledge. That's an interesting question. Like, is that feel satisfying as a way to like spread across the galaxy? If you just send your genetic material that has because because it does like it, a part of the human experience is the continuity, right? Like, I have a, a continuous existence. I maybe father or mother children, and then I die, and they live on. But there's there's a continuity there. Whereas if you just shoot this genetic code and it just it's going to evolve in a millennia or two later, you go and make contact with it. Like they don't even know that you are the same or related. They're yeah, they're going to be formed by whatever forces evolved in their world. They could be bellicose. They could like who, mm-hmm. who knows? They could be stupid. <laughs> yeah, they could be. That's the thing. Like when so so if this is like some seeding mechanism um, for another life form. Will that life form, like does it does it have any knowledge of that plan? You know, like how could it? Right, and so when unless you're going to you know like, when inevitably the proto people, uh-huh. the proto beings show up to claim you know their genetic material again, exactly. What does that even look like? I know there might be a battle between proto molecule and proto people, right? right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like unless you do some kind of Jor-El thing where you send a crystal with them that says, <laughs> right. "This is my seed, my son," and this is how you know, and this is what like like they're yeah. going to have no real relationship with you. Even then, I mean, you'll get like, can you imagine if you sent someone out, like sent out genetic material with like a Bible or something? How oh, yeah. quickly that would spin off into people fighting over the true interpretation of it. Oh, and, yeah, ask God about that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> You'd have so many different sects of proto-beings right. that they'd be fighting amongst themselves, and you come down, and they view you as Yeah, again, ask invader. God. Like, I, I tried to tell you how to be... <laughs> right. I fucking... You weren't getting... I sent my son down there to clear things up. You killed him. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's... it's um Those... I mean, and that's all, I think, intentional and baked in and... uh what is interesting and i and the thing is i was initially bummed about the protomolecule because i'm like i don't give a shit about this glowing blue space shit like i'm right. much more interested in in a cold war between mars and earth with the belters in the balance and like that mm-hmm. it's not a geopolitical it's an astropolitical scene right yeah. like that stuff is super cool and compelling and like this this was distracting from it's kind of like I imagine how people that don't like fantasy, they get sucked into Game of Thrones and then fucking dragons show up. Like, God damn it. Yeah. Get these dragons and shadow babies and ice kings. I mean, they should have the known. fuck out of here. They should have known. Well. I, I mean, not in the books, but in the show, you should have known. Right, right, right. I mean, they, 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 they that stuff is pretty. <laughs> the first I mean, they, scene, they, is, first scene yeah. is like some kind of ice zombie monster. But, <laughs> right. Um, but I can't like grudgingly accepting it because it it's some of this. Um, some of these broader questions that I'm sure they're going to explore are kind of interesting. Right. And and maybe it just comes down to, uh, at least right now, the, the idea that this is another Cold War, essentially, right? Right. Like, everybody now has this weapon that's even more powerful than nukes. Um, what do you do with it? Plus, imagine if, like, in a world where people have nukes, but the nukes have their own 
potential point of view as well. Right. <laughs> like, like, I mean, that's what's super interesting about Venus. And also, I don't. Yeah. Um, so they so Earth sends a ship to explore the crash site. The last time we talked, I think about this. Um, they had taken Eros, the asteroid, and the protomolecule somehow engaged its warp drives and shoved it into eventually Venus. Yeah. And it cratered into Vita, Venus. So Earth sends an exploration. Mars sends a unit out there to shadow them. The Earth, uh, er, er, the Earth ship eventually descends to kind of into the atmosphere to try to get a, a good view of it. Um, and the ship is ripped apart, like like in a Doctor Manhattan kind of way. Like it's just instantly pulled apart to its constituent points. And they're the crew. I'm assuming is dead. Yeah, I mean that. And I, and I also I don't know why that seemed more powerful than hurling an, an asteroid around that will. But, like, <laughs> I guess because that's raw power, this is very controlled power. It is precise, yeah. And what does that mean? Like, like what does that mean for Julie and Joe, the two people who crashed into Mars? Have they lost completely their humanity? Why are they ripping apart spaceships? Mm-hmm. Are, is, is Adam Savage going to be added to this collective? What's what's <laughs> Because if you don't know, Adam Savage has a very minor cameo. Yeah. Um, which what probably made his day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't know. Like, how can any how can anything withstand the might of the proto molecule? Yeah, it doesn't seem like you could. Um, it seems like, you know, Venus starts moving moving out of its orbit. Uh, people might go, oh shit, and try and nuke it. But I don't know that that does anything. And in ma- as a matter of fact, it might just make it stronger, and it might spread it. I mean, they did incinerate one of the Epstein Drive, so like, I guess uh-huh. if you had a big enough nuke, you could maybe, maybe. But you're right. Like, I'd be worried you'd about have chunks. To, you'd have to catch. Yeah, you're right. You'd have to catch it while it's still kind of small. Like, like the, the yeah, the window for them to do a successful strike is very. It seems like it's very small. Yeah. And the proto molecule is getting stronger all the time. What happens if you fire nukes at that thing and it just deconstructs them? Yeah, or eats them, and yeah. and, and and takes the in, the radiation energy that it feeds upon and just becomes stronger. Right. Uh, nothing good. Nothing. Good. Nothing good for humanity. <laughs> and which which makes me think like what what is the end game here? Like it seems to me that, I mean, if I'm just guessing, there's going to be this extrasolar threat that eventually shows up, and it's going to eventually be like unmodi- unmodified humans versus the extrasolar threat versus protocol proto molecule enhanced humans and maybe maybe the proto molecule will be the the the, the maybe the proto molecule humans are actually our future mm-hmm. like there isn't that like the, the end game is going to be there are no more like it's 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 essentially a singularity event not with ai but with some kind of foreign you know biogenetic ma- material yeah we might have to adapt to survive right know? and as you mentioned like it's not clear that mo- that that um it's not clear we still don't know who exactly found the mo- the proto molecule who what side they're on and why mo- like because it, it like, everyone assumes everyone wants it for a weapon but a, 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 as you pointed out i think the proto molecule would be super useful on mars like Oh, right. Forget yeah. terraforming Mars to be Earth. What if you yeah. could in benignly infect everyone with the protomolecule so everyone could just walk around without spacesuits on Mars? Right. You make the humans stronger so they can withstand the, the conditions, and then you don't have to terraform Mars. Yeah. 
And I mean, that seems uh, power armor is the perfect example of that, right? They're yeah. trying to do that. It's yeah. just they're modified. They don't have effective enough means yet. And for the space, and, and for the belters, like what if they yeah. could get proto molecule and they don't need spacesuits, right? Um, and they don't have to worry about losing limbs and shit in space. They could just go out and uh, explore the stars as 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 naked as naked entities. I mean, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, um, I, I think there's one. There's one dangling chad here. There's one loose thread. That is Dawes. Because halfway through this season, Dawes just pieces out with this this protomolecule scientist. The insane protomolecule scientist. Right. Um, and he hasn't been heard from since. Yeah. I have a feeling that they're going to try to morph Dawes into the hero of this story at some point. Because um, he's been certainly set up as villainous at the beginning of this show right he's he's running this this faction of violent and um i guess calloused uh what, what are they called black something mm-hmm. he's, he, he's running the black the guys oh, who take oh, over yeah, the bridge the, the, of the inner, yeah the the belter faction terrorist faction essentially yeah yeah, yeah. he's running though that faction isn't he at the beginning of this show i think they, they hinted that yeah right so like he's kind of the villain at the at the beginning. Then you see that, you know, if you buy into what he says, that he's actually working for some kind of resistance to get his people treated more fairly. Essentially, a union leader. Right. Um, he's just got some interesting means of showing it. Uh, I feel like they're going to morph him into the thing that can save humanity from the proto molecule huh. potentially, because he has all the knowledge about it now. Right. Well, as, aside much, from, as much knowledge as people have, yeah. Right, aside from the, the guy who is running the show, whose mm-hmm. name I can't remember. Mal, right? Julie's dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, the, so the other thing I think um, is interesting is that Dawes is portrayed as, like, a revolutionary leader. Like, he's the guy, like, when, when him and Fred Johnson are kind of giving their campaign speeches. Right. Um. I felt like very strongly that Fred Johnson is the guy you want to run things after the shooting is over. Mm-hmm. But Dawes might be the guy that you need to fight the war for Belter independence. Uh-huh. Because Fred Johnson will not – He's too. He, like he said, he's too much of an earther. He sees things from an earther perspective. He doesn't see this as a true uh, – like, like we, need a, we need a space at the bargaining table. And Dawes is like, no, no. We need to secure our independence and freedom. Yeah. And then we can join the table or not, but we join it as equals, not as something we beg and plead and get like, you know, a little kid's version of the table that they roll out for us. Right. I thought that was kind of interesting because like, you know, uh, revolutions are 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 are, are complex things like, you know. (laughs) Uh, were the leaders of the revolution, American revolution, were they our founding fathers or were they, you know, rebels? Were they slaveholders? Were they people that poured burning pitch over people and tarred and feathered them? Uh, were the people that took to the streets and did mob violence and justice? They were all those things, right? Yeah. And you can go down like, you know, how do you feel about Nelson Mandela? How do you feel about Shager Guerrero? Guevara. Guevara. Yeah. Um, they're all like, you know, and it's so easy to say any any revolution. Like, well, look at all the terrible things they did, but sure. also like, well, if they didn't do that and they maintained the status quo, 
Like, you know, look at all the terrible like, things that were done to them. Exactly. Right? And and also when you're fighting an asymmetric war, you don't have the luxury of, you know, being being nice about it. So right. now the interesting thing about a lot of revolutions is it seems like one of the first things they do is they round up everyone that's in the, you know, the ruling elite. They take the scientists and the doctors and the lawyers and the politicians <laughs> right. and they shove them out the airlock. Yeah. Um, and, and then hilarity ensues. There's famines and there's bloodshed and there's wars and they can't feed anybody and there's short you know they they can't make anything because like they just did that thing on mm-hmm. earth that's all well and good because at the end of the day you can eat anything that doesn't move and you can breathe the air right. what happens if they like like if there's a purge of all the administrators and scientists and whatnot in the belt right like let the it's belt let the belt failure. of lotus go around and they space all the the people like like what the fuck man like you're gonna run out of oxygen and like food and everything water and yeah there's nothing you need to survive out there and, and I feel like that's why they talked about this cascade failure um, that Prax was going on there, about yeah 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 on the, the Ganymede that like well, there's a certain point where the equilibrium of the the delicate machines that make like that that there's right. a there's a there's a point of no return yeah. where essentially the whole base collapses and there's nothing you can do to stop it. You essentially have to start from scratch. And it makes you, me wonder what Dawes' long-term plan is because yeah. it's it's one thing, like you said, to give the independence back to the people, give them their freedom. But they they have to build a society. Otherwise, they're, they're going to fail. Um, and you need some kind of leader for that. Yeah. I, and, it, you know, just like you, you look at the American Revolution, right? Right. I mean, we we left Britain after uh, after deciding we wanted to do our own thing. We had this revolution mm-hmm. against them. Uh, I it's not like that solved all of our problems in in indeterminate amount of time into the future, right? Right. Or indefinitely into the future. It it temporarily relieved a little pressure yeah. on the people, but you have to have a, a solution for after the after the revolution. And I yeah. don't know what Dawes solution for that is. Right. And the first American government failed articles of confederation and there was the whiskey rebellion. And there was also the matter of slavery that was essentially a can that got kicked down the road until it exploded. Um, right. That's all like would be fascinating things for the show to explore. Yeah. Um, but, but will I, it get there? That's the what I'm saying. Like the proto molecule. Yeah. That's why that's so frustrated by the fucking proto molecule. It's <laughs> right. like, uh, I, I've seen Independence Day, man. I've uh-huh. seen War of the Worlds. Like, I haven't seen this other thing that's, that's, that's arguably more, more interesting. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I know I, because so the other thing I want to talk to you about is our feelings about the, the Christian Abbasarala, the UN oh, undersecretary. So um, you don't like her character and I really fell in love with the character in the season two. <laughs> I have a hard time. I, I have a hard time with the way she speaks. Just it's her, not how necess- heavily accented it is. It's not even necessarily the accent. It's the the pattern of her speech. Like just, I can't identify with it. I can't pin it down. And so all of the things she says just completely lose their power. For right? Me. Huh? I'm not engaged with them. Interesting. I'm more listening to. Boy, she said that weird. As opposed to, like, what did she actually say there? Yeah, and she how does talk like a, like a like an Iranian Kathleen Turner. She's got that really bare its own. But I like how like she's simultaneously classy, but she's also uh-huh. like very brash. Like in in the middle of this Inquisition, the the Martian, she's she's trying to get to the 
the root of what happened there on the Ganymede installation. She's interrogating Bobby and the Martian guy's like, you know, yeah. all due respect, Madam Undersecretary, where are you going with? And she just cuts him off it's like, wherever I goddamn like. And, right. It was just too weird for me. And also when Bob, when Bobby's trying to talk, because so, so the end, she fucked up. She underestimated how kind of she underestimated how uh, I don't know what the other her counterpart in the UN, the, her male counterpart. Uh, she underestimates how Sav, Sava Savavala or something like Sava, that. Not Salvador. Yeah, yeah, Salvador or something like that. It's something like that. Yeah. Um, she underestimates how badly he felt about almost destroying Earth with the the yeah. heroes and his complicity with the proto molecule and the political situation. And she trusted him too much. And you know, to you know, cut to make a long story short, um, it put her in a situation where she almost got herself killed. Yeah, but. She's trying to fight her way out of a ship with her mercenary bodyguard and and Bobby Traper. And Bobby's like, oh, we can go through this ventilation shaft and crawl up this elevator and get to the space. And, and uh, you know, she's like, oh, that would never work. And Bobby's like, oh, that's right. You would never be able to. And she's like, Jesus Christ, not because I'm too old, because this man's been shot in the gut. Right. I, just, I don't know, man. I, I I like her character. I don't like the way she speaks. Interesting. Yeah. I don't think she can. I don't think that's going to change in season three. No, fuck no. She's sixty some years old, I think, and she's from <laughs> Iran. I think she's going to talk the way she's going to talk. So yeah, that yeah. Might be a barrier for you there, Jim. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I've gotten used to the the Belter Lotus for sure. Yeah. The Belters. I the like way they talk. I I completely. Uh, and in fact, I miss it because I feel like in the second half of season two, we almost don't get any Beltalota. Yeah, not a ton. Um, but so I'm I'm starting to like how they're. I mean, I've always liked the the fabric that they're weaving here. It's just some of it takes a little getting used to. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I, th- I mean that that Stradivarius guy or whoever the mm-hmm. whatever his fucking name sure. is is one cutthroat motherfucker. I he gotta really say, is. he really is. Like, I I just have to tip my hat to him on that move. Like, it's a shitty thing to do. But he pulled it off. It's fucking um, Machiavellian yeah. in the best sense of the word. And also, it was a neat piece of story craft because I thought they were building up to him committing suicide. Me too. Yep. And killing the other guy. But and then it turns out, out the this... poison was already in the glass. And... and it was specific to his DNA. Like... Yeah. Yeah. That they, yeah. They, 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 the Earth had created this doomsday weapon that was – I forget exactly what it did, but it, it interfered with the proteins that the Martians take for their – calcium bone supplements right yeah and i think it can be tailored to like an individual if you want mm. and so he it's something that he they both he could they both drank it essentially is my understanding yeah but it only affected the martian right and which feels a little bit convenient for my taste as far as plot storytelling but it does goes, make but... sense if the martians have genetically yeah, yeah. modified themselves to do this thing and you're 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 attacking something that goes into that genetic modification that makes that makes perfect sense yeah yeah you know, like uh, uh, you know, you can spray you can spray broadleaf poison on your lawn, and it only kills the stuff that's not grass. Like, right? You know, sucks to be you, not grass. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was super cool, and and he instantly became like I thought that there was a character there about to wad up and throw away, and he's like this yeah. noble, like uh, I, I don't know how. What would you? What, where's an analogy for him? He's like. Um, his guy who thought he was doing the right thing and he done fucked up and that he was going to like, you know, like have a noble end. And then it turns out he just becomes an even bigger bastard. Right. 
Although I'm not yeah, even he, say like I don't even know that's a right. He might be doing what is best for Earth, or at least as he understands the it. research on the proto molecule. It just because you're you know it's it's like you know do you, do you side with Joe or do you side with um, uh, uh, Johnson as far as do you kill the proto molecule research scientist right uh, because he's he's making too much sense or do you preserve him alive because you need to understand the proto molecule right the jury's out on that. It is, I yeah. Until we understand more about it, I don't right. know that you can make that. Uh, that you can, I mean, you can certainly make the decision. Uh, yeah. I just don't know if you'll know what the right call is. Right. But yeah, I mean, that guy. He is now probably the force to be reckoned with on mm-hmm. Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think Christian is going to fight back. Right. Um, since she survives this, he didn't expect that. But how does she? Because even she escapes, like. If he's if he's half as good as consolidating power as he is at grasping it at grasping uh, de- victory out of the jaws of defeat, then what has she got to return to? At the the UN, right? Like she could just go back to her day job, and what? I mean, but she's got to be on the lookout, got, like, like, for sure. He this guy's like the supreme ruler of the earth now, as far as I can tell. Well, he's so... he's still only a member of of the government. Like, yes, he's a very high official, but. He still answers to the president, uh, I assume. Yeah, but whatever, just, whatever UN official it is, I just wonder if he's going to have enough power that he could just make her disappear. And I wonder if that this he is can going try to be, because yeah. it seems like they continue to consolidate these characters on the Rasanati. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything's revolving around that. So I wonder if you know you're going to get Bobby <laughs> and you're going to get I forget whoever um, her mercenary bodyguard yeah. is who's doing all this because he feels guilty for letting her. Uh, sun die, mm-hmm. um, but but they're going to just consolidate all that, and they're going to be on this little pirate ship, <laughs> broadcasting the truth from the depths of the solar system, mm-hmm. slinging proto molecule, making backroom door the deals. I I I don't know. Yeah, but uh, I mean, she maybe could team up with Mao. I know he was trying to kill her, but yeah, I but think the game has changed. Stradivarius has all the cards as far. That's why, right. like he's right. he's got he's got him by the balls now. He does, but maybe working together, they'd be able to do something. That was a brilliant story about killing the Martian envoy is now he only has a single contact that can protect him, whereas he was kind of like playing Earth and Mars against each other. Well, this guy just took Mars out of the equation. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So so do you have anything else you want to talk about, particularly in season two? Because I want to talk about our hopes for season three. Mm -hmm. I would like to see a big space battle. Okay. Because I think that this, this... We've we've gotten a little bit of taste in like small ship actions, or we've seen like the Ganymede attack. We curiously saw that from the ground, mm-hmm. so we didn't really see like the full. But I would love to see like a, a large scale kind of ship battle yeah. in this universe because I really like how gritty and realistic and fucking brutal it all is. I would like to see that, and I think with all these giant fleets moving around and all this Cold War posturing, that eventually that's that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You got any? I also hope that uh, the guy who plays Holden takes some acting classes uh, <laughs> over the the break. Because I looked at his, yeah. I looked at his IMDb thing. He's essentially a male model. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. He's super pretty. Yeah, but I don't think he can act. Like like or or if uh, Kit Harrington wraps up on Game of Thrones, just seamlessly slide Swap him in out. for season four, and he's ready uh, to go. Because like he would just be. A massive upgrade. He yeah. looks exactly like the guy, except for he can, you know. But, 
that's the thing. Like a lot of time, a lot of people said that about Kit Harrington that like yeah. he, especially in early goings, wasn't super compelling as John Snow. I yeah. I never was quite on the anti Kit Harrington fan club, but I think he's certainly rounded into a a a, a decent actor. Mm-hmm. This guy, he's got he's got a he got he's got to work his uh his his on his gritty dialogue and I don't know his firm set of his jaw or something. Because he's just got those big watery eyes, and I just feel like he's always about to break down and cry. <laughs> yeah, I think if I'm if I'm hoping for something in season three, I don't know how realistic it is, but I want to see Miller come back in some form. He's been one oh. of my favorite characters. I don't know if he's going to come back as the Blue Man Group with Julie, uh, but I think that could be. Yeah, it's going to be the Proto Molecule Collective. It's going to be him right. and Julie and Adam Savage, and they're all going to yep. be just morphed together like Voltron. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> no, I don't think we're going to see him again. I think he's done. He turned into one of the the blue guys. Huh? I no. I'm actually would be super shocked if we don't see them again, but not as their characters. No, I, think I mean be Proto people. Well, yeah, but I mean that it just depends on what you think that means. Like, I think there will be yeah. aspects of 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 uh, uh, Miller, Joe Miller, in there. Um, Maybe, yeah. But I don't, you know, I, I don't know. You'll know him when you see his fedora. Right. Um, oh, the other thing I I forgot to talk about is so the Rossinati is escorting the somnambulist out of um, the, the 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 Ganymede fiasco. Yeah. And the Martians are there, and they're blockading it. They're not. They're they're instructed to not let anyone out. Mm-hmm. And Holden gets on the PA and is like, "Look, I got this super advanced Martian technology, Martians, <laughs> and I'm going. I'm not even making this up. I'm embe- making them yeah. sound slightly stupider, but it's about this." And he goes, "And I'll ram it up your ass if you so much as open up a gun port." Yeah. And they just let him by. I'm like, what the fuck kind of blockade is this? Like you've got you're in warships, you're blockade like you're expected to fight and die to maintain the blockade. That's the whole point of the blockade. Oh, but they're saving their bullets for each other. What the hell does that even mean? You're gonna <laughs> let proto molecules slip by in favor of that? I just that's right. like it especially since the Martians seem to be on the whole a lot more bellicose and ready to fight and like yeah. rough and ready. Like I just it blew my mind that that worked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Again, I wish they had a slightly better actor yeah. in that role because I may have believed it if they if he could have said it with a little bit more authority and force, or if he bluffed it with like I've got the proto molecule and I'm not afraid to use it, or like yeah, like uh-huh. if he was three times as charismatic and he had a <laughs> he had a chip that he could play, yeah, yeah, that's the thing, a trump really... card. But I just felt like he just fucking bluffed his way through that. Uh, not even bluff because I do feel the Rossinati. Maybe it's the this the latest and greatest Corvette. Maybe it could take on two or three other Corvettes of its size and win. Mm-hmm. But there's like 30, 40, 50 ships there. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, I, I did like I did like Alex slingshotting through the Jupiter. That was cool. system to 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 get to where he wanted to go without using his drive. That was super cool. Yeah. Uh, but shit, he seems like he's afraid of the Martian ships. Like mm-hmm. you just blow them out of the sky. I, that 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 was that was that was odd to me. Do you have any fears for season three? Uh, I I just fear that the proto molecule is not going anywhere good mm. uh, for this show. Like it right. could change the very nature of the show and in negative ways. For for me personally, that I mean, could be I'm good sure and bad because like, like 
um, you know, when I remember when the Dominion War was starting out yeah. and they like revealed that Odo wasn't unique and he's part of this race of the fountain. And I'm like, oh, God, this seems like they're just fucking retconning the whole show. And they're, but it ends up that was a good move. Yeah. It wasn't anything like it had come before, but the Dominion War is a very, very good plot line. I wonder if I'll feel the same way about the proto molecule or I'll always think, like, what if? What if the proto molecule had never, right? Never reared its ugly head. That's what I'm scared of. The what if? Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'm definitely in on season three. Yeah. It would be, um, you know, I, like I'm not. And when I say that, I don't mean I'm going to do a podcast on it. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> I had because because you had you had sold me on it ineffectively for season one because I remember you watching that and there's even. Um, I here's another what if um, if we had both watched it and we'd both loved season one. Do you think it would have cracked the top ten on the bald move, the Baldies last year? Yeah, I think so. Because the Baldies were kind of, I don't want to say weak, uh-huh. but I felt like there might have been, especially since you, you and I both love science fiction, it might have cracked top ten. I think so. Because uh, I I want to be an evangelist for a show and tell everybody to watch it, but I also I also don't want to turn people on to something that they're not going to like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of why I undersold it to you, because I didn't want to overhype it. Right. Um. Because that happens too frequently, where something is overhyped and then it doesn't live up to the expectation. Yeah, and then it's like even worse than than what you were thinking it was going to be. Right. So I did kind of undersell it, but huh, eventually you got around to it. Right. So there you go. I'm, I'm very very curious about uh, where things go from here in season three. Yeah. Uh, that's it for the expanse. We'll be back uh, later on with a um, with a who on the week. Mm-hmm. And then I've got some other shows I want to want to be talking about going forward, but I'm not ready to talk and commit to each one yet. Um, but 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 stay tuned to Ball Move TV if you like this kind of like general TV talk because there'll be more of it coming. Uh, we'll see it. We'll see you then.